Mormonism Live is a live streaming broadcast hosted by Radio Free Mormon and myself, Bill Real, on Wednesday evenings at 6.20 p.m. Mountain Time. If you'd like to join the show live, you can tune in through Mormon Discussions YouTube channel as well as Mormon Discussions Facebook page. The show tackles current affairs within Mormonism as well as dealing with historical inaccuracies, helping people to understand and deal with the messiness of Mormonism. You can find the website at mormonismlive.org for past episodes. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. RFM, we, I'm excited. We are going to be discussing tits tonight. So I am, I'm, I'm, I am really pumped. It's the only reason I showed up is you promised me you were going to show us some tits footage footage. And so I'm excited. I, they, <laughs> I hope that we can explain that to our audience because we've probably lost about half of them already. We are starting at 620 Mountain Central or Mountain Standard Time, whatever you call it up there in the Rockies in Utah, which I expect is where the majority of the viewership will come from. It is 5.20 my time. We've kind of gone back and forth on this. There may be a few hiccups along the way, but I think it's going to be a fun ride on Mormonism tonight with Radio Free Mormon and Bill Real together again for the first time. Yeah, here we go. Episode number one, Mormonism Live in your face, live and in person. Uh, RFM and I will set up the conversation here on the front end. And then with the topic that we discuss, uh, we'll take phone calls towards the end. We'd ask that those phone calls be extremely short, maybe a minute or less, 30 seconds or less, and you stay on topic. Um, so tonight we're talking tits and that's the topic that uh, we're discussing. So RFM, am I going to be seeing some boobies tonight? <laughs> I guess it depends on how you define it. Oh. <laughs> Maybe some, some boobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So tell but, us what tits is. Okay, so we got to go back here a little bit. But before we do, before we do, my name for tonight's show is What in Hell is Going On at Fair Mormon? Because they have introduced a series of new videos, which are all called This is the Show. Okay? This is the show and you might wonder why they have such an incredibly catchy title for this series of videos well i have no idea except i hear that it's a riff on the famous statement this is the place yeah I, and who said that bill brigham young why do all roads seem to lead to brigham young i don't I know but that but folks could watch your <laughs> apostolic coup d'etat and they could check out uh, maybe why all roads lead to Brigham Young. Yes. Well, there's a, well, we won't get into that right now, but there's, he seems to be rising in his popularity again among a certain segment of Latter-day Saints. That's why I said hashtag Desnet. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, this is the place is what Brigham Young said. This is the show is what Fair Mormon calls their new set of videos. The acronym, believe it or not, I'm sure it's a huge coincidence, Bill. The acronym for this is the show is T-I-T-S. Yeah. <laughs> or as you say it, yeah. I want to try and keep it clean, at least on my half of the screen. I'm okay. going to try and be a moderating influence on you because it's important that there be an adult in the room at all times. 
And that's one of the things that people are asking about this new series of videos. The people who are in front of the camera are a couple of youngsters. And by that, I think they're in their 20s. There's Kwaku L. And there's a, another guy named Brad Whitbeck, I believe his name is. And the person who's been introduced as being the director of the show is, um, what is it, Cardin Ellis? You got it. I think it's Cardin Ellis is his name. But this whole series of the TITS videos, and you can call them whatever you want. I'll try and call them the Fair Mormon videos, okay? That's what I'm talking about. They have a lot of videos over there. I'm talking about these. They started like two weeks ago, I think it was. And they have been rolling them out pretty much one a day or so. They've got maybe a dozen, all dealing with controversial issues related to Mormonism. And the idea is we're going to give an apologetic response in a Gen Z, edgy, controversial, some find it offensive kind of way. And the overall structure is we're going to go after the CES letter because that's one of the things they keep bringing up, the CES letter, the CES letter, and of course, Jeremy Reynolds, who wrote the CES letter. Three of their videos are called CES Letter 1, CES Letter 2, and CES Letter 3. So they're, they're spending a lot of time on this. And it's clear to me, first off, that the CES Letter is a big problem as far as Fair Mormon is concerned, that there's a lot of problems with it. And by that, I mean a lot of people are leaving the church over it. And I don't think that's probably yes, a newsflash. CES Letter, of course, Jeremy Reynolds, who wrote the CES Letter. That was cool. I was listening to myself there for a second. No, play more. I'd love to listen to me. No, go ahead. We're good. We started, <laughs> started playing. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So, oh, by the way, you are recording, right? Uh, it will record automatically. Yes. When we're all done, it will give us a chance to pull the audio off and make this into a podcast episode for the listeners of your program and mine and all of the Mormon discussion uh, lineup. Well, great, because I just want to make sure, because some of the people <clears throat> who are my listeners at Radio Free Mormon uh, weren't able to make it tonight. They were wondering if it would be recorded and, yeah. and put up later for them to listen to. So just wanted to make sure there. Um, where can, I, was can I jump oh, in yeah. for a second, RFM? Please do. So Please. As, as they have done this, this is the show. They've got Quakuel um, kind of headlining this thing uh, with other folks kind of directing and producing and all that kind of stuff going on. But, but Fair Mormon, and we'll get into this later, but Fair Mormon's accepted full responsibility for these videos. I just want to put my two cents in because I know there's some specific things you want to get into, but I want to say I watched about four or five of these. And as I watch them cover various topics, what, what I see them doing is doing kind of what the church does, which is painting these stories less than accurately. And I'll just take the polygamy one, for example, in the polygamy called, one, uh, Mo wives, Mo problems, Mo problems. Yeah. Mo yeah. wives, Mo problems. Yeah. yeah. And in that one, they, they make it simply um, about whether, you know, Joseph had children or, or some of the other superficial arguments that are being debated. And what they avoid to me is deeply telling. And I notice this everywhere. I notice this when I listen to uh, Fair Mormon podcasts, when I read Fair Mormon's articles. I notice this when I look at how the church tells its story. They avoid the Lucy Walker story and how she was coerced. They avoid Nancy Rigdon, Jonathan Streeter, um, and, and I, and I, again, I forget the, the third gentleman. Somebody will remind me here in the comments, uh, smart guy. Um, the three of us went into the Nancy Rigdon uh, affair and how Joseph Smith tried to coerce her. And there wasn't anything that actually happened. But when she said no, 
uh, Joseph Smith and others close to him tarnished her uh, image uh, intentionally and really in really an awfully way. The Partridge sisters and how um, Emma Smith was fooled into a second marriage. There are so many issues with polygamy, uh, seer stones, which we'll get into, and these other topics that they're covering. They're choosing a specific way to cover these issues so that the naive, uninformed, believing Latter-day Saint isn't troubled and sees like, oh, there really isn't a problem and these guys have got answers. And the reality is when you know what kinds of questions to ask, these issues all fall apart. Book of Abraham is another one they did. When you know what questions to ask and when you know what data there is, and when everybody agrees to have a conversation out in the open about where those questions lead and why they pose a problem, uh, suddenly then we're going to have a major conundrum trying to make these things work out in a believing way. And I notice these videos avoid that kind of conversation at all cost. Yes, I hear what you're saying. <clears throat> I will tell you that um, there's been a lot of controversy about these videos just in the two weeks that they've been up. They have taken the blogger knackle by storm. They are becoming quite famous and in some cases notorious. I have to say that before, repeat, ah, thank you very much. <laughs> by the way, this is my underground bunker from which I, uh, I broadcast at RadioFreeMormon.org. I want you to know this too. Today, today I went out and got myself a new set of headphones, okay, or earphones or whatever you call these things that are on my head. This is the original set of Radio Free Mormon headphones. And if you can look at this in the, the mirror, uh, I'm not sure where I got these. They are so cheap, I think I got them out of a cereal box at some point. But these are the headphones that I've been using for the past four plus years to broadcast behind enemy lines. And so these are out of here now. I've got these headphones on now, and hopefully they'll stand me in good stead for another four years. I do have to, if you'll hang on just a second. Ah, crack open a cold one. And, and because it's Christmas time, have we mentioned what the date is? December 9th, 2020? I cannot hear you right now. You might be muted. Yeah. Yep, we're good. Anyway, what I want to do is I want to go ahead. I've got a nice candle. It smells like Christmas trees here. And I want to go ahead and just light this up to help with the ambiance here in the bunker. There we go. Ah, uh, that's so nice. Smells like Christmas spirit. <laughs> with, with what's going on over there at Fair uh, Mormon right now, it's like the whole place is on fire. And tonight, I think what you and I will be doing is adding a couple more Yule logs onto the blazing inferno that is now Fair Mormon. Ooh, I can feel it getting warm already. <laughs> if I could sing just a couple of a couple of lines from one of my favorite Christmas carols that tonight's podcast reminds me of. I don't have a piano here, but that's okay because I can't play one anyway. Are you ready? Let's do it. Fair Mormon, roasting on an open fire. Quaku nipping at your ass. And that's all I've got so far. That's all I've got so far. That's good for the first stanza. Thank you. I got to come up with something that rhymes with ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now we've got T I T S and A S S S. So it's all complete. Okay. 
Are we ready to go? I, I can't believe I can see these things as they come up. It's going to be very distracting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, we have to read them, don't we? <laughs> don't read. <laughs> okay. So what's uh, the first thing you want to go into? What is the What do you think is important? It's very quickly to let you know, um, we're not going to go through each and every one of these uh, Fair Mormon TITS videos uh, tonight. In fact, we're not going to go into any of them in depth. I mean, that is going to take a lot of time. And I tell you what, if the audience wants us to do that, we're certainly open to suggestions as what you, our audience, would like for us to go into next week or perhaps the week after if we don't have anything special scheduled. But I want to talk about this just in general, if I can, because a couple of weeks ago when these videos came out, by the way, interrupt me at any time. I told Bill earlier today, the problem is, is that this is supposed to be like an hour show and I'm going to talk and Bill's going to talk and we're even going to have people phone in. We're even going to have people phone in and hopefully that's going to work. I got my fingers crossed for that one. But we want to have the audience participation. Unlike these videos, which are up at YouTube, these videos being the, the Fair Mormon recent TITS videos, which had the comments originally, but they were overwhelmingly negative. I actually got to read a lot of those comments before something strange happened. I guess there was a glitch in the circuitry. Do you know what that was, Bill? Say that again. <laughs> what? By the way, Bill, Bill is in charge of all the technology, okay? So he is working multitasking like anybody's business. Me, I'm just doing the same old shtick. Anyway. What was the question? Was was about over on the Fair Mormon videos, the TITS videos on YouTube. Yeah. They used to have comments that you could see. You could write a comment and it would go up. But then something happened and all those went away and I don't know what that was. Do you know what that was? Yeah. So what happened is that Fair Mormon not really wanting an open dialogue. And this is one of the things that bothers the hell out of me is I don't have a problem with everybody sitting at a table and all of the uh, pro and con being at the table, having their own plates. I don't have a problem with 10 views, 20 views, 50 views being sat at the table, but you can always tell who's bullshitting you by who doesn't let you have access to all the information. So when these Fair Mormon videos go up, and we're going to show a couple of points tonight, when they make a statement that isn't true, then um, then there ought to be space for somebody to come in and go, hey, your data is incorrect. Have you thought of this question? Here's a source for why your answer is wrong. But they don't want any of that. They want no constructive feedback. They only want this helped me feel the Holy Ghost. I know the church is true. And those are the only kinds of comments that are allowed. They shut down the upvotes and the downvotes. They shut off the comments. And uh, they essentially want to exist in a echo chamber and, uh, and be all by themselves and not have any critical feedback. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. Not surprising to me when they did that. They just totally got rid of all the comments and said, we're not even going to have up votes and down votes. By the way, Bill, there's only one scenario that I can envision where you would do away with upvotes and down votes on your YouTube page. What, what might that be? Uh, because there's a whole hell of a lot more down votes than upvotes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I got a feeling that's the case. I remember that Quaku. L did the same thing with a certain video he had, which I think was in the summer of 2019. He did the same thing. Yeah. I think, I think he's getting very good at that. He could teach college courses on how to do that, how to disable the downvotes and the upvotes. He's a master anyway. of elevation emotion. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit about Kwaku L and his co-host, Brad Whitbeck, 
and also the director, Cardin Ellis. That's Cardin, C-A-R-D-O-N. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. But what I don't want to be lost in this conversation, Bill, and I posted a fair, uh, fair Mormon, Radio Free Mormon, that would be my uh, Facebook page the other day, is that these, these guys are just a talent. Sure, they've got some responsibility. I think they did a lot of the writing, the jokes, et cetera. But this whole thing was greenlit, enabled, and probably financed to a large degree by Fair Mormon, with John Lynch as the chairman of the board and Scott Gordon, who is the president. These are the people who are responsible for putting these videos up on the official Fair Mormon website. So I went and I looked at a few of those videos. I have not watched them all. I've watched a few. And I wanted to talk a little bit about them generally. Can I ask you, Bill, since I've been monologuing here for a bit, what was your first impression in a general sense of these videos? Of the videos. Um, So I get it. We're being a little funny tonight. I think we're being even maybe, at least me, I'm being a little snarky. These videos were extremely snarky. They uh, seem really turning a nose up at critics of the church, specifically Jeremy Runnels in the CES letter but I think critics generally and acting as if the arguments on the critics side are stupid and don't have any merit to them and that people shouldn't leave the church. And I I actually watched a video uh, earlier today just on faith crises by these guys, but it was the, it was the S X. Yeah. 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 Stone 16. Stone 16. Yes. Yeah. The S X one six. Yeah. So, um, Jaguar XKE. Yeah, when I listened to that one, they were really harsh to people who had left and people who are trying to help others wake up to the messiness of Mormonism and and help to some extent people leave and claim their lives back. Um, I, I find the videos disingenuous. I find them inaccurate. I find them to be mean spirited, and I find them to with anybody who understands the data to completely miss the mark. Hmm. Well, I will tell you, I looked at the very first video, which is maybe two minutes long, maybe less than that. Uh, it's like an introductory video. And this one has both Quaku, Brad and Cardin shows up between them and introduces himself as the director. It's called This Is War. That's the, the banner across the front of it. This is war. Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> Whoa. If I were doing this normally, I'd edit that out. But this is live. So you get these kinds of things. Anyway, I saw that and they were talking about this is war because we got to we're we're in a war now and this is war against the CES letter and against Jeremy Reynolds and against against anybody I guess who disagrees with him. But when I saw that, let me let me tell you something. Okay, I'm 60 years old. Back when I was in my 20s, I was in full Mormon apologist mode. I think a lot of my listeners know that I've even put up a lot of uh, classes that I taught institute classes back in 1989 about how to defend the faith and I totally get where Quaku's coming from. I totally get where Brad is coming from. I would have uh, I would have cut off my right arm to be a part of that project when I was their age, okay? So I understand why it is they're doing what they're doing and I hope they're having a lot of fun and I really don't have that much negative to say about it. Uh, but, but this isn't war, okay? This is a discussion. At worst, it's a debate about different religious views or different ways of interpreting the evidence or different ways of looking at historical pieces of information and putting them together. It's not war. 
Because the problem is as soon as they said it's war, I go, uh, that's, that's bad because what is fair in love and war bill? What is fair? Everything is fair in love and war. All is fair in love and war. And if everything's fair in war, then what that means, in this case, it's everything's fair Mormon in love and war. But what that means is when you label it a war, you say that anything goes, the goal is to beat the other side. So whatever you have to do to beat the other side is fair. Misrepresentation is fair. Ad hominem is fair. Omitting key evidence is fair. Anything goes. And I think these videos go to prove that point. Yeah. And and I, I, I'm going to, you know, we're going to nudge here into getting into some of this. You've got a particular point you want to make, but I want to play. I want to play a little soundbite for folks. This is the Midnight Mormon. So the the gentleman who's producing, uh, Cardin Ellis, did you say? Yes. Cardin Ellis is the host of Midnight Mormons. And uh, I want to play a little soundbite for the listeners just to get a little feel of how he thinks about um, folks who have left and are critical of the church. The subreddit that he crowdsourced the freaking CES letter from is not full of intellectually honest doubters expressing concerns. These people hate us. Yeah. They, they hate us, Jim built. Bennett. They won't that was stop Quaku's at voice, an, by the I'm way. sorry. They won't stop at a revision of the history of the church. They won't stop until you cease to exist because the power that the church wields is what they hate. So you can smile and take pictures all day long and fantasize that you're just two good guys, aw shucks, that have difference of opinion. But if you really think that it's just a difference of opinion that motivates this, then you are absolutely lying to yourself. And it's the boomers of the church that get bamboozled. I just want to say another thing that comes up in these videos, and this soundbite reminds me of it. These guys are oblivious to the sense of betrayal, the sense of trauma, the sense of what it means when someone wakes up one day and feels deceived and lied to and invest all of their time, talents, energy, and money into a thing only to find that you've been bamboozled. And these guys seem very unaware of the emotional energy that goes into why people like you and me do this, why people cry nights upon nights as they try to put it back together, why people's marriages break up because the believing spouse feels like the church is telling them to step away from their unbelieving spouse. These folks have no clue the emotional baggage that goes along with deconstructing the church. And, and it shows up in the way they talk. Right. Well, of course, they can't really have a clue because they haven't been through it. They haven't been there. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but this is part of this all in type of attitude I'm talking about. And I think when he's talking about uh, Jim Bennett uh, being sort of a moderate or a bridge builder. Yeah, kind of, I, I interviewed uh, Jim for a seven part series and Jim was super kind and reasonable and he acknowledged the weak points. And then this was all about him going out to lunch with Jeremy Runnels and saying, this is a good guy. I think Jeremy Runnels is a good guy. And I think Jim Bennett thinks so too. And he said as much. Well, I'm going to be crazy here. I think Jeremy Runnels is a good guy. I think John DeLynn is a good guy. 
I think Kwaku L is a good guy. I think Brad Whitbeck is a good guy. I think Harden Ellis is a good is a good guy. You know, I don't see any people wearing black hats among this crowd. I think there may be some misunderstanding, but if we listen to each other, probably goes a long way toward understanding where the other person's coming and, from. And that's the Both secret. Yeah, and that's the secret, uh, RFM, is that for for I, you and I would welcome it. Anytime uh, Kwaku wants to come on to either one of our podcasts or Mormonism Live would be my preference, uh, we could have a conversation. If Cardinellis wants to come on, if Whitbeck wants to come I, I'd love it. I'd love to be able to sit with them and go, do you really think these issues are that simple? Do you really think the way you explained it solves the problem? I would love that. Now, I highly doubt they'll have the two of us on and have that conversation. They might uh, they might be snarky and not really give us much room to talk. I kind of expect that to happen, but I would welcome it. And, uh, and I promise I'd be kind and respectful and uh, would only ask the questions that are appropriate to ask. Hmm. You've always been very respectful whenever I've heard you in any, any situation, Bill. Yeah. Yes, including a very stressful situation such in front of such as in front of your high council. Yeah. It's extremely stressful, but you're completely completely respectful. Yeah. And kind, I thought. Um so that's my idea about their declaration that this is war. No, it's not war. Guys, it's a discussion. It's a debate, okay? But it's not war. But when they declare it is war, then we start seeing why it is that anybody there's no fraternizing with the enemy, right? Uh Jim Bennett or any of the other people they talk about who are sort of bridge builders and talk with both sides or kind of middle of the rotors or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. No, no, they have to go. Nobody, there's a cleaning of house going on. There's a retrenchment going on. There's an 1857 Utah reformation going on. Yeah. And we are going to once again, determine who is orthodox and therefore acceptable as a Mormon and those who are not. And those who are acceptable, apparently from their point of view are those who subscribe to their religious beliefs and not only their religious beliefs, but their attitude toward others with different religious beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, we, here we are 25 minutes in, do you think we ought right. to start to get into the seer stone conversation mm -hmm. and begin to point out how these guys are claiming, and we'll show this, these guys are claiming that our side and by our side, I mean, those who are being, um, honest about the history and pointing out that this doesn't add up, that our side is the side being dishonest, that our side is the side being deceptive. And I think by the end of the night, at least on this point, we'll show that there is some serious dishonesty going on on the way these guys handle these conversations. So uh, without further ado, are you Before okay going into Before this? You get there? Yeah. Before I get there, I, I'm, I'm cutting through all sorts of stuff, putting it to the side. It's going down the memory hole. But I did have this little stand-up comedy shtick I wanted to do. Is that okay? It won't take more than a minute or so. I'd love to laugh, my friend. Okay, because whatever, <laughs> what everybody's talking about is where are the adults in this situation? Yeah, we get that Kwaku L and uh, Brad Whitbeck, they're, they're kids, and of course they're going to do this kind of thing. But where are the adults in the room? Where's Scott Gordon? Where is uh, John Lynch? Where are the other members of the board of directors? Where are the adults to like curb the enthusiasm of these youngsters? This is like the Mickey Mouse Club for crying out loud. I mean, they always had the little kids there, but there was always Jimmy Dodd. Remember, Jimmy Dodd was the adult. He was there. He was the adult in the room. Fair Mormon. How long has Fair Mormon been around for, Bill? Around 15 years? Uh, yeah, because Fair Mormon came out just as I was joining the church. At least I became aware, and it seemed like most of their stuff was new, when I joined the church back in 1996, uh, 97, oh, so maybe 20, right around 25 there. Years? Yeah. 
Yeah. 25 years. So this is like a mom and a dad who spent 25 years building this really nice house. Then one night they give the kids a can of gasoline and a box of matches and say, hey, kids, we're going to the movies. Have fun. And they did. They left it. They left it to the little ones, right? They left it to the little ones. The, yeah. uh, the, the, yeah, the, the toddlers, uh, they have essentially given it to them, handed over the reins, handed them the keys, opened up the garage door, let them take the car. And uh, we're seeing what happens. Yeah, this is like Mormon apologetics meets Lord of the Flies. <laughs> which which ends, I believe, with a kid getting a rock dropped on his head or something, right? It might be Piggy, but it could be wrong. Yeah. It's all fun and games until somebody gets gutted with a buoy knife. That's right. <laughs> and so now, based on these videos, these new videos, all of the apologetic arguments at Fair Mormon have now been reduced to, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> Infinity. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my little stick there. But why are they doing it? They're desperate, Bill. We want to get to this. I know, and I apologize. Uh, I've good. been known for being long-winded. Um, but anyway, uh, no, they're desperate for crying out loud. It's obvious they're desperate. And as soon as I saw these videos, I knew that they were desperate. I mean, they've got Kwaku L dropping F-bombs in videos on fairmormon.org, their official website. And by the way, Fair Mormon has done a lot of work to be accepted and approved by the LDS Church. It was probably since its inception, but in the last several years, you know, they've got a conference there every every summer, the Fair Mormon Conference. In the last several conferences, they have had a general authority of the LDS Church present to address the people in the conference. That was a huge coup for them. It was a huge sign of acceptance. And in addition to that, Fair Mormon webpage is linked to at the official lds.org webpage, now churchofjesuschrist.org webpage. Thank you, President Nelson. Hashtag victory for Satan. And so don't, forget, the, don't forget, yes. too, don't forget, too, that Fair Mormon receives its funding from the More Good Foundation, who receives its funding from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. At least a large absolutely. chunk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing that, that kills me is you could actually go to the official church website. You have questions. You go looking for that. They say, here's an approved site. Oh, Fair Mormon. I'll click on Fair Mormon. Oh, here's all these new videos. Click F-bomb. Yeah. And yep. I just wonder what they're going to be thinking. Anyway, of course, they bleep out the F-bomb. But thereby hangs the tale that we were going to get into, talking about this one specific aspect of one video where Fair Mormon in this video is caught off first base, saying something that is demonstrably wrong. Is that where you wanted to go, Bill? Yeah, I want to start at the very beginning of this video, Have show how they set it up and how they make the issue of seer stones um, not about what the real issue is, how they obfuscate. And I've always pointed this out, that uh, apologists for the church are always deflecting and obfuscating. And I want to show it here, and then we'll show the part that you want to talk about. So... With that, as RFM always says, roll the tape. You know what I don't get? How people act like the Searstone part. Oop, give me one second. We'll rewind it here. This is the this is the IT stuff that I've got to get used to. You know what I don't get? How people act like the Searstone part of the translation process is like the deal breaker. You know what I mean? It starts off with Moroni, an ancient Native American who dies and goes to heaven and comes back as a glowing angel. That's fine, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, an Indian flying through time and space to get to Palmyra, New York is okay. But once you put a rock in a hat, oh, that's where it just gets crazy. 
Let's talk about rocks. So I want to um, just say for a moment that uh, what they're doing is they're saying, look, the, the, the problem that critics have is that the seer stone is weird. And, and that's not true. So first off, if it is weird, it's because Joseph Fielding Smith and Bruce R. McConkie made it weird. They're the ones that told us, no, 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 no way. We've looked at everything. We're seer stones. If, if seer stones are it, there's a problem. Seer stones are not it, guys. Nothing to see here. Definitely the Urim and Thummim. Nephite spectacles found in the box. If it's weird, it's the church's fault for making it weird, number one. Number two, that's not my problem. I don't have a problem with seer stones. As somebody once said, Joseph Smith could stand on his head, pull his pockets out, hold his nose, and dictate the Book of Mormon, and I'd be okay with that if it really did hold up. The problem with seer stones is that if we talk about them for too long, we're going to find ourselves having a story about treasure digging and about how Joseph Smith scammed people in the early 1800s, starting at the age of 13, all the way past when he got the Book of Mormon and was translating and working with Moroni. And the fact that all of these scams involved uh, fictional Buried gold treasures, silver treasures, buried in hills, protected by guardian spirits with the use of a seer stone. And now we fast forward and we're supposed to believe that another guardian spirit, Moroni, another hill, Camorra, use another seer stone and another gold treasure, the gold plates. And we're supposed to just not think that that's connected to the stories from, the, from early on. And that's where I have my problem is that if we talk about seer stones long enough, we're going to get into Joseph Smith's scrying and treasure digging, and that's where the problem lies. But they don't want to talk about that at all. Uh, RFM, if I'm not mistaken, it's one minute and 45 seconds in where you want to point out, correct? It is. Can I give you the lead into this Please. just briefly? So here's the deal. It's last Friday night, Friday evening. I know that I've got to look at some of these videos in order to talk about them tonight with you. And I'm going, where do I start? There's so many of them. My gosh. And I saw that somebody on a message board had pointed out the video where Kwaku uh, drops the F-bomb. And of course, it's bleeped. And I thought, okay, well, that's as good a place as any. I mean, I, I'll start with watching him drop an F-bomb and see what the heck the, the issue is about that. So it was this video. It's going to come up here. But the thing that surprised me, Bill, wasn't that Kwaku drops an F-bomb, although in another sense, it does surprise me that the adults in the room are okay with this, apparently. Um, the thing that surprised me was what it was that he dropped the F-bomb about. Because what's going to happen here, and you're going to play the tape, is they are going to quote, well, yeah, they're going to quote from the CES letter. And the part they're going to quote, they're going to say that Jeremy Reynolds wrote in the CES letter that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon using a Ouija board. No, I'm not kidding. That's what they say. That's what they're going to say right here in this video. That's why we saved it in case they change it. We've got it right here. It's just a really brief clip. But this is where Brad Whitbeck is the one who's announcing this. And then Brad Whitbeck gets all, um, you know, triumphant and says, well, the Ouija board wasn't even invented until 18, I don't know, 72 or something. And the Book of Mormon was translated in 1829. So how stupid could it possibly be that uh, Jeremy Reynolds would be saying that the Book of Mormon was translated with the Ouija board? And here, while he's doing that, you'll see Kwaku next to him just getting all ugh, so angry about this. And then he'll talk about what a huge lie this is. And this is where he drops the F-bomb, right? This manufactured, scripted F-bomb 
that Quaker's going to drop that gets bleeped out because he's so mad that Jeremy Reynolds is lying about the Book of Mormon being translated with the Ouija board. You ready there, Bill? I'm ready. Here he goes. In the CES letter, Reynolds criticizes Joseph Smith for using a Ouija board to translate the Book of Mormon. The only problem is that the Ouija board wasn't created until 1894, and Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon in 1829. Also, no, Joseph didn't use a Ouija board to translate the Book of Mormon. If you believe a bogus lie like that, you probably believe Jussie Smollett, or that you're going to win a cruise on an Instagram giveaway. You're not. He did use seer stones to translate. By the process of logic, it's bizarre that someone would use this as a weapon against the church. Joseph Smith's first divine claim was that God and Jesus appeared to him. If you don't believe in God or Jesus, then you don't believe Joseph's claim. The we stop there. Yeah, we've already gone past the part, but that's fine. That's plenty right there. So I'm watching this, right? And I'm going, the first thing I'm doing is that. of God exists. Sorry, my friend. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm watching this and I'm going, the first thing I think is, Okay, full disclosure, right? I have never read the CES letter. I apologize, Jeremy. I just never read it. I skimmed it sort of briefly a long time ago when it first came out, but I never ever read it. But when I saw this on this video, the first thing that I knew, oh, get rid of that right now. All right, well, we'll, all right, we'll I'm, I'm building up to that. All right, sorry, my friend. Okay, you're stepping on my thunder, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be in the, having the timing right, okay. Okay, the first thing that I knew 100%, okay, is that Jeremy Reynolds in the CES letter did not say that Joseph Smith used the Ouija board to translate the Book of Mormon. That's ridiculous. But there are places in these videos where they actually pull up a section of the CES letter and they read it. They didn't do that here. What they did was they flashed in the bottom left of the screen as I'm looking at it. My left as I'm looking at the screen. Very quickly, a reference. And what it says, a CES letter, page 29, paragraph 2. I actually had to go back and replay it a couple times so I could get it down. So I figure, what the heck? I'll do what I guess they don't expect anybody to do and look up the CES letter, page 29, paragraph two. And what I knew was, well, what I expected was, I'm gonna see the words Ouija board, but it's not gonna have anything to do. It's not gonna say that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon using a Ouija board. And guess what I found out? It I was right. Yeah, you were right. I was right. So can you read this? Uh, this is page 29 of the CS letter. By the way, I went back. I got a PDF version off the Internet. It was uh, from October 2017. This has not been updated. This is what they were working with at the time. And this is what it says. Can you read this? Can you read actually uh, from the top of the page and then, then down through that? And I'll yeah. ask you as yeah. well. Yep. So it says, unlike the story I've been taught. This is this is Jeremy Runnels. Unlike the story I've been taught in Sunday school, priesthood. General Conferences, Seminary, EFY, Enzymes, Church History Tour, Missionary Training Center, and BYU, Joseph Smith used a rock and a hat for translating the Book of Mormon. Okay, then, wait a second. Oh, wait a second. Go ahead. Wait a second. What did he just say? Did he, he say? said the translation said, tool is a rock in a hat for oh translating. Oh, my gosh. Not a Ouija board. Okay, okay. Well, go ahead and read this next part. Here's where Ouija board comes in. Yeah. In other words, Joseph Smith used the same magic device or Ouija board that he used during his treasure hunting days. He Can put you stop a right there. Please yes. stop right there. Absolutely. That's the part where they're they're focusing on. Now, it is obvious, and he'll go on and he'll talk about exactly what he did. He put a rock in a hat, which 
everybody knew that's what he was going to say. At least that's what I knew he was going to say. He wasn't going to say he put a Ouija board in a hat or he used a Ouija board to translate the Book of Mormon. No, what he's doing is he's likening the peepstone to a Ouija board in the sense I expect that messages from beyond are received by that means. He's not saying he translated by a Ouija board and nobody who's reading this honestly could ever even get that meaning out of it. It's clear that he is making a comparison, an analogy. He's likening this rock in the hat to a Ouija board. And if you go on and now read, I'm sorry for interrupting. My mom told me to never do that. No, no, you're good. Uh, but now he'll make it. Now he'll make it abundantly clear, just in case. Just in case, maybe they were confused. Yeah. By that one sentence, he put a rock called a peepstone in his hat and put his face in the hat to tell his customers the location of buried treasure on their property. He also, and by the way, that treasure is fictional. Nobody, nobody in the church or out of the church is making the argument that there are Spanish silver mines that actually existed that sunk further into the earth. Fair Mormon would also agree the treasure is fictional. Um, right, and but, Joseph Smith never found any treasure. Go ahead. No, he never found any treasure. To tell his customers the location of buried treasure on their property, he also used the same method for translating the Book of Mormon while the gold plates were covered, placed in another room, or even buried in the woods. The gold plates were not used for the Book of Mormon we have today. By the way, Richard Bushman, uh, a, a scholar in the church who is well-respected, former stake president, former patriarch of the church, uh, and the preeminent scholar, I think, within Mormonism on the history of Joseph Smith at, from a believing perspective, also agrees the plates were never around. Right, right. So here we have this passage. And the people who are writing this, and Fair Mormon's got to bear the brunt of this, but the people who are writing this and the people who are performing it and directing it, okay, know what this says. They know it doesn't say that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon using a Ouija board. You can't get that out of there unless you are going to twist things in order to try and score a rhetorical point. Remember, this is war, all right? The only problem is, is that all you have to do is go to the CES letter, read what it is they reference, and you see immediately that they are misleading the audience. And the thing that struck me so much was not just that they were misleading the audience about what the CES letter said, but that they were getting so exercised about it, getting so angry about it, getting so indignant about it. And then this is where Kwaku drops the F-bomb because he's so upset that Jeremy Reynolds would lie like this. They call it a lie. They say he's a liar. It's a lie. And finally, to put the, the icing on the, the cake, I suppose, when you actually know what the CES letter says, I mean, who's the one who's lying? Yeah, in fact, RFM. And, and before you get to that, because I know you're yeah. going, I'm sorry, it's like we're, it's like we're married. I know yeah. I can read your mind sometimes. Um, can, you, can you replay that clip again? Just so everybody yeah. now, knowing all this stuff and what's in the CES letter was actually there. Having read it on the screen, you can watch this thing again, and now you can see exactly what it is they're doing. And I'll ask you to answer the question, who is it who's lying? Yeah, and I, and I just want to say, this is one of the brilliant things you do. There are some critics of you who say RFM rehashes points over and over. But I think it's what's powerful about what you do. You and I, you know, most of your listeners know you are a lawyer by trade. And um, in that line of work, you are skilled at making the points that need to be made to show the case working out the way you understand it and the and, and the benefit of either your client or in the as the prosecutor if you've done that as well. So uh, this is one minute, 45 seconds in on the Searstone clip. 
these guys are either um, uneducated on these issues to the point where they should not be producing videos. That's the only other out. Or they are lying completely. You know, they put, they put the, you'll see it flashed on the bottom of the screen when you pay, play there. The yeah. reference. They know what the reference is. You can't know what the reference is unless you know where it is and right. you've read it. Yeah. So, no, there's no out here. There's no out here. Okay. This letter, Runnels criticizes Joseph Smith for using a Ouija board to translate the Book of Mormon. The only problem is that the Ouija board wasn't created until 1894, and Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon in 1829. Also, no, Joseph didn't use a Ouija board to translate the Book of Mormon. If you believe a bogus lie like that, you probably see Smollett, or that you're going to win a cruise on an Instagram giveaway. You're not. That's enough. I want to win a cruise uh, with Dan Peterson on Cruise Lady. That's what I want to win. Yeah. So I want to. So here, now let's make it go one step further. This is the part you knew I was going to go to. This is one step further. Yes. I want you to know what Fair Mormon and this is the show, what they think about lies like this. So here is uh, the video of these folks uh, talking about the CES letter and what they perceive as any, even just a single deception in the CES letter. And, uh, and here we are. Videos about the CES letter going forward. It's important to remember this about the CES letter. It sets itself up to be an expose on the true faith established by God, our eternal father and Jesus Christ. It puts forward half truths, uses language that is manipulative and sometimes just makes stories up. The CES letter is dishonest from the first page to the last, and it has nothing of merit, value, honesty, or integrity. It wants to destroy your faith in a higher power and replace it with nothingness, which in turn removes morality, eternal hope, and objective standards of morality. If only one of the things written in the CES letter is false, then the entire PDF should be held to suspicion. If Jeremy is uh. lying about one thing, then why should you believe anything else he says about the gospel? Let's play that one more time because, yeah, as I was as I was listening to that RFM, what I arrived at was everything they said describes my experience with Fair Mormon. Um, everything they talked about about half truths and all the obfuscation and all the deception, it's them that does that. Let me play that last little part one more time. If only one of the things written in the CES letter is false, then the entire PDF should be held to suspicion. If Jeremy Reynolds is caught lying about one thing, then why should you believe anything else he says about the gospel? So with that, it sounds like if we're going to hold these guys to the same standard that they have set for Jeremy Reynolds, who, by the way, speaks a whole lot more honestly and gives sources and talks directly about these issues in full than these guys do, if, if we have the same standard that they've set for Jeremy Runnels, then we can't buy another word these guys tell us. Nope. I think they just buried themselves and put nice little daisies on top. That's the hole you're digging, Kwaku, by the way, in case you got confused about that. Yeah, and, and this is this new standard that Fair Mormon is setting. Not only are they dishonest and they're lying, but now they're also going to run other people's names into the ground for the very behaviors and mechanisms by which they utilize. Hmm. Are you saying they are being hypocritical or something, Bill? Uh, hypocritical and, um, yeah. Is there a stronger word for that? Because I don't think hypocritical is enough. Hypocritical is a pretty nice word for what they're doing. Okay, so 
with that, we've shown that these guys have lied, right? We've shown that these guys have been dishonest. We've showed that they are willing to do that to help the uninformed, ignorant, and I don't mean ignorant in a negative way, when people don't have information because the church has told a certain story and everybody believes that story and they haven't been taught yet to look for outside sources to see what the real story is. So for those members who are believing and uninformed and ignorant to the, to the information, the the these videos are meant to portray the story in a dishonest, deceptive way. Um, as Bill Tiffany says here, it's completely intellectually dishonest. Now, I pride myself, and I know you do too. We try to give as much space for faithful material as we can where there is an argument to be made. Um, I don't think you and I have ever been accused of lying on our podcast, and certainly not to any kind of degree like that. Um, I may have misspoke once or twice. Maybe you have. Maybe we've been uninformed once or twice on something and been corrected later. But I welcome that stuff. And I don't think anybody can sit down with Mormon discussion or Radio Free Mormon and say, like, those guys are lying all the time. We try to be honest about these issues. What I notice here, this is blatant dishonesty. That's why I picked it as my exhibit A. Yeah. Are you ready to take some phone calls? Or you got you have another point you want Absolutely. to make? Absolutely. But by the way, the only reason I can pick it is because they did it. It's yeah. amazing. And like I say, I haven't gone through everything, but I'm sure that this is not the only example. It just happens to be a really clear-cut, glaring one. Yeah, phone calls. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. So let me get the banner up, and you'll Here see there. The banner. Yep. The number is 435-200-3478. 435-200-3478. If you've got something you want to get off your chest, again, let's keep it short. We're hoping a minute or less, 30 seconds or less. We'll take a handful of phone calls if there are any. And uh, if there are, uh, we'll we'll go for another 20 minutes or so and see how this goes. Uh, but we would welcome listeners chiming in. There's 131 people watching, by the way, RFM. Um, I think these episodes will find their way onto Mormon discussion. I think they'll find their way onto Radio Free Mormon. And then we also have a new website, everybody which is mormonismlive.org, mormonismlive.org. And again, if you're a little shy, I mean, just give us a call. We'd love to talk to you, Bill Real and Radio Free Mormon. Uh, 136 people watching. Uh, the comments, I couldn't put them all up. There were literally four or five times the comments that we posted. Uh, so there was a lot of activity there in uh, in sharing that. Um, so it's 435-200-3478. Bill Real arranged for this phone number. We've got one. We got a live one? Yep. Give me one second. Oh, here we go. Accept. Press one. Uh oh, I hope he didn't mind his name being broadcast. Matthew, how are you? Hey, how are you? Good, good. I hope you don't mind us sharing your name. It was broadcast to the 136 people that are watching, and it'll be broadcast to thousands who tune in later. But what do you got for us? Uh, here you are watching these videos with Quaku. And this is the show and Fair Mormon. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, you guys are great. Love your work. Thanks so much for doing it. Um, my big question uh, for, for you two, because you've worked with Fair Mormon before, is obviously they're not unintelligent. Don't they understand that one of the biggest things that really, really hurts people is when they feel betrayed? And that was one thing where I, uh, where these things where they make it, where they downplay, uh, uh, like they pretend like there aren't real issues here. That's the biggest tone of these, these videos 
is that they downplay that there's really serious issues. And isn't that just going to, so I guess my question is, don't they know that's going to come back to bite them? Eventually people will figure out the truth that there are real issues here. Yeah. So I guess the, interested on your take on this. Yeah. Let me hang up with you and we'll respond to that. Okay. Sure. So um, let me, let me start off RFM just because I served with fair Mormon. They have hundreds of volunteers and and maybe it's less than that, but I know it's at least a hundred folks or so. And they're on an email chain. And when an email gets, um, when an email happens and somebody is writing in and saying, Hey, I have a question on seer stones. Things don't add up. Something's not right. Then behind the scenes, all of the volunteers are having a conversation about who is the best to answer that question, what angle we should take, what kind of sources should we share. And so lots of people, four, five, six, 10, 12, 15, um, collaborate together to then help one person create a formal response to the doubter or the questioner. And as this process is going on, you have some people who are trying to be more honest and they're constantly getting pushback from the board of Fair Mormon. Steve Densley, who used to serve with them, John Lynch. Um, and uh, remind me who the president is again. Scott Gordon. Yeah, Scott Gordon. So they they um, are constantly, if you come in too critical of the church, if you come in too honest about the history, they will private message you off the board and say, hey, you know, Bill, you just can't answer people that way. You can't, you can't tell people that it's messy. You can't tell people that the problem is more serious than the faithful answer. You can't do that. So that's one. They, they are adamant that protecting the good name of the church by far surpasses the priority of helping this person with a question arrive at the real truth in history and understand the information. Second, if, if they knew the truth worked, you can bet your ass they would be telling the truth. You can bet your ass they would be talking about everything that that you and I talk about on our podcast. The problem is they would lose every time. If we talk about the information honestly and transparently, people would leave even faster than they already are. So that can't happen. The reason they lie, because they have to. That's a good point. I'll just throw in just a couple of comments there. This is why I got out of apologetics back in the early 1990s, late 1980s. I've been doing it for 10 years. I knew it backward and forward. I was good. I may have even been as good as Brad Whitbeck. I don't know, but I was pretty, but I was pretty darn good. And, uh, but eventually I came to the point where I realized that my success in winning the argument, by the way, that's what it's about. It's about winning the argument, not finding the truth huge distinction that crystallized in my mind when I got to around the age of 30. And maybe it will for these young fellows as well when they get that old. But um, yeah, my ability to win the argument depended on, and I I wouldn't lie like this, okay? I mean, that's even, eh, maybe even in my wildest heyday, that was probably a bridge too far even for me. But I would omit information and count on my other person, that person I'm arguing with, not knowing the information I'm omitting. And that's a similar kind of thing, but that's why I gave it up. But that's why I'm concerned about this declaration of war in their introductory video, because everything is fair in love and war. And in war, podcasts are bullets and truth is the first casualty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and any means possible, 
Um, by the way, if anybody else wants to call, by by all means do. We'll continue talking here as another call hopefully comes in. 435-200-3478. And I have it on mute now, so your name won't go up. Um, and, and I'll catch you here before we go on. But um, if... <sighs> You would expect if you were a questioner, if you were a doubter, if you were somebody who went to Fair Mormon with uh, a problem, you would expect to uh, be treated with honesty. You would expect like, hey, this is the Lord's true church upon the earth. And I would hope that these guys would be willing to uh, answer my questions in full. But, but they've gotten their marching orders from the best. Remember this quote, RFM? no answer to. Oop, let me try it again. I think we'd also have to be honest. There may be some of these questions that there is no answer to. Yes. The ones we avoid. Those will be the ones that we avoid. <laughs> Elder Ballard blows up the church. I think I did a podcast about that one. Okay. I, uh, I think we've got a call. Let me try to call them back really quick. Okay. <clears throat> So once again, I know you're trying to do that. And if you want to put in the comments. Hey, you just tried. To, or, let, me, let me meet myself. You can talk for a second, Arv. Okay. Because we've agreed that while he's doing the technological stuff, I'll sit up here and tap dance for a while. If you want to uh, suggest something for us to talk about, put it in the comments here. You can put the comments on my Facebook page or on Bill Reel's Facebook page. And I think we may, may even have a Mormon Live Facebook page at some point. But if you want us to go through one of these videos or more than one of these videos in detail. We could do that. We could devote an evening to one of those videos and play a few clips from it and discuss them kind of like we've been doing tonight. I'd be happy to do that. I've got a bunch of things already to say about the Book of Abraham video, believe it or not, fresh off the 13 plus hour interview that I was delighted to do with John DeLynn on Mormon Stories with world renowned Egyptologist Robert Rittner, having talked with David Bakavoy at length about the book of Abraham, having talked with Brian Howlett on the Radio Free Mormon show about the book of Abraham. So yeah, I, I have a few things that I could say about it and ways that they are uh, just not making a whole lot of cogent arguments yeah. when it comes to defending the book yeah. of Abraham. I've, uh, I've got Mark on the line. So you ready to take Mark's call, RFM? I guess so. Here we go. Mark, uh, what are you thinking on all these, uh, this is the this is the show videos. This is fantastic, guys. First, let me just thank you both for what you do. Um, you know, especially for us who really don't have a support group. Um, having you guys, your podcast, and now this great, uh, great live show is phenomenal. So thank you. Um, I got to ask you, what, what do you think the odds are? I know you have mentioned in jest uh, inviting Kwaku and uh, some of, some of his, uh, his his buddies on their show uh, to join you both in a live setting. What do you think the odds are of that happening? <laughs> you see, you see RFM giving you the answer. At least you're going to see it. Um, I think the chances are zero because the data is not on their side. And so the only way right. I could see them doing it is if they just had us on just to yell at us and talk over us. Um, I don't yeah. see them having us on to allow for fair questions about their approach and about the data they're sharing. What do you think, RFM? If they're deleting their comments, they're not going to want to talk to us. 
Yeah, if they're deleting their comments, they're sure, sure as heck not going to want to talk to us. So, but um, and that is one of the things that I do want to pat you on the back, Bill. You can pat me on the back for is that we want to have a live show. We want to have comments. We want to have people to call in. And by the way, we are not going to delete any comments from the YouTube. Okay, I mean, if, if there's something that's uh, objectionable, uh, slanderous, vile, uh, or anything like that, if you say I look old, you know, things like that, we'll we'll certainly delete. If but, you are talking about the topic and you are not using vulgar language towards someone, then absolutely. Um, and we've got right. another call coming in. So go ahead and uh, if you want, don't mind talking for just a second, I'll field that. Go ahead. And by the way, just to be clear, that includes vile language toward uh, anybody, uh, whether it's me or Bill, or especially toward Quaku uh, or Brad or, or anybody with Fair Mormon. Uh, we do not promote that. We condemn that. And we're not going to have any of that. So uh, they are not the enemy. They may think that we are the enemy but they're not the enemy. We are all God's children and we should all get along even if we don't agree about things like, I don't know, religion. It's not the end of the world, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You ready for uh, Brian, RFM? Yes, sir. Here we go. Brian, uh, what do you think about Kwaku and, uh, and these videos produced by Fair Mormon? Hey guys, uh, this has been more fun than a barrel monkey excited to be on. I hope I can just take half a second. I'll be really brief to uh, thank you both. Uh, Bill, I got to meet you in your store in Southern Utah earlier this year. And that was one of the highlights of my trip through that area. Really, really uh, wonderful to meet you in person. And RFM, I have my faith journey really accelerated uh, around January this year in 2020. That's when I found your podcast. I compulsively listen to just about every one of your episodes over the course of the year. It's made a big difference in my life, and I can't give you enough gratitude, you know, for what uh, for what you've been able to do for me. I appreciate your even-handedness, your kindness, your laughter. I've had lots of laughs and some tears with you. Um, anyway, with regard to Fair Mormon's tits, uh, I think it's. <laughs> Uh, almost laughable. A couple of boobs. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is just, it's wild. Uh, and I know I've entered this post-Mormon um, space. And I guess maybe, you know, my, um, my vision has changed a little bit. But it's hard for me to believe that anybody could see that, even in my most TBM days, you know, and, and think that that was, you know, anything but a last cry for help you know uh with with what's going on it, it's just it's laughable it's uh, remarkable that they're allowing them to do that and i think it's in the end going to do much more harm than good for the faithful believing members stumble upon them. perfect thank you my friend thank I, you for joining us thank you very much brian i agree with your sentiments by the way it did occur to me bill that i could just grab i just want to grab a bunch of some blank papers here yeah. We'll pull them up and just pretend that I'm reading off of them while we're doing the podcast. You know, I've got a yeah, thought too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what they idea. do, right? They never look at them. So the paper is not there. They're obviously reading cue cards. But it it strikes me that Fair Mormon is a, you know, it's not it's not an organization of five people. It's, it's an organization that at least has a hundred or so in it. There got to be people in Fair Mormon who go like, I don't like being dishonest. I don't like lying about this stuff. I don't like painting these stories as different than what they were and yet whoop there goes the camera but you have to deal with 
but they're going to have these, those folks. And I, I'm looking right at you. Cause I know a few of you have got to be listening. A few of you will have to look over this. Probably a few people from the strengthening church members committee too, or some type of review board at the church. Let's stop being dishonest. Let's just tell the history as it is. Let's let the chips fall where they may. It, it probably means that people are going to have to let go of all the magic. You're probably going to have to soften up a whole lot. You're probably going to have to reduce becoming a high demand fundamentalist religion, but uh, so be it. Um, honesty is always going to be the best answer. Uh, we've got another call here. Give me just a second, RFM, if you don't mind. Okay, absolutely. By the way, one of the things that um, Kweku said, uh, he had posted on his, I think it was his Facebook page, a very long article uh, explaining why it was that these videos were necessary for the, the youth of the church. Yeah. And uh, he basically says that they have the attention span of a gnat, that they're, they want this edgy stuff. They can't really pay attention for more than a few minutes. They're not going to read a bunch of uh, scholarly papers with a bunch of footnotes. It's dry. It's boring. They cannot take the time to do that. And I thought it was interesting. You can go. I think it's on his Facebook page. You can go read the whole thing, his whole manifesto for why it is that he's doing all this. But whether it's true or correct or not, uh, I did copy off a couple of comments to this. And I thought Anthony D. Miller. Smart my, guy. He's a very smart guy. He, he made a very, very good comment and question. It's very short. Here's what he said. If your generation, so he's addressing Kwaku in the comment section. If your generation doesn't have the attention span to read something as long and boring as the 131 page long CES letter, plus it's linked sources. Why would there be any need to produce apologetics for it for Gen Z? <laughs> I maybe kind of hand in hand with that. I, I'm putting comments up and I'm removing them pretty quick. I'm just trying to get to as many as I can. And yet I know I'm leaving them up at least three or four times longer than these videos are leaving up like the sources of where these things can be found. They're like a quick little blip being removed. Yeah. And, and it goes to the same thing, right? They don't really want people looking it up. They don't really want people finding out oh they're being gosh. dishonest. No, because then, you know, this podcast happens. Yeah. So we've got a, uh, I think it's a Robert on the phone. So I'm going to unmute him and uh, Robert, tell us, uh, tell us your thoughts. Yeah. You know, there's so many stories of bishops or stake presidents who have gone to members of their ward, including you, Bill, and, and told you to stop posting offensive things on their on your personal pages on your social media and they really know how to control those that speak ask questions of the church but these offensive videos that offend even many members of the church they're not going to say a thing about it i have complained to my bishop about these videos and asked him to talk to the church about them because they're offensive do you think they will not on no, your life. No. It's a double standard. Yeah. And Isn't it funny, though, if Quaker's bishop called him in and said, hey, uh, I saw you dropping the F-bomb. You can't be doing that. You need to take that down. You got to go two weeks with no sacrament bread. No water. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, I want to stay here, too. The church does have, I mean, again, it says it has no influence on disciplinary councils. That's bullshit, too, by the way, RFM. Uh, you and I both talked all through my excommunication process and constantly my stake president told me, by the way, recorded, I have all those conversations recorded. Um, and 
I've got the stake president telling me, yeah, those guys higher up are telling me to do this to you. Um, so that happened. I'm going to take one more call. Let's do our last one. This is the last call on the opening inaugural episode of Mormonism Live. Couldn't hear you there, Bill. Are you muted? I, I just had to get him. His he, He's under the name oh, Dr. 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 So uh, the news. Yeah. Dr. Loving you. <laughs> so Dr. Dr. What do you got for us tonight? Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Corbin. I'm sorry. RFM. I hope you can edit that. <laughs> no, big I don't even know what you're talking about. Just go ahead. Dr. Dr. Yeah. Um, <laughs> inoculation to describe the ultimate goal of these fair Mormon uh, TITS videos. It's timely given that we're about to release a vaccine for the coronavirus. <clears throat> and so in that spirit, I would like you each to consider the question, how long uh, will these videos last as an inoculation against youth and why? Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Doctor, for finishing uh, off our call-in section. Um, I, I think you make a good point. The church realizes, and Fair Mormon realizes, if it can get to the young people early enough and give them this like, hey, there's nothing to see here. Um, there's nothing going on here. And uh, give me one second. I've got another call coming. I'm just going to exit it out. So if they can get the youth of the church to go like, oh, there's nothing to see here. There's good answers for everything. There's no real problem. Look at all this stuff. I kind of know what's going on. I think I know about seer stones. I know a little bit about, about the book of Abraham. I know a little bit about polygamy. When those people get older, there's a chance, they must believe there's a chance that those folks are not going to look into this stuff, that they're just going to dismiss it out of hand and go like, there's nothing to see here. And the reality is, as all of you know, when you go down the rabbit hole, and by the way, I've been going down the rabbit hole since I was 17 years old and investigating the church. RFM, you've gone down the rabbit hole about the same age, a lot more years because you're older than me, but you've been going down the rabbit hole since about 17, 18, 19 years old as well. Um, the rabbit hole never ends. You and I have learned things in the last year that we didn't know that would, that would have troubled us had we knew it while we were in the church. Um, that rabbit hole does not end it Alice in Wonderland has is still sliding and going forever yeah and I think that um, about this idea about inoculation um, unfortunately when you strip away everything else I know there's a lot of things that people find offensive as edgy these videos but as I looked at them what I noticed was if you strip away all the um, uh, the the trappings of the videos um, it's really just the same old Mormon apologetics that have been going on at Fairmoren and in other locations for decades. That's all it is. And so ultimately what they end up doing is setting up members of the church who listen to these videos and believe that they are being told the truth. They're setting them up like bowling pins so that somewhere down the road, they find out the real truth. And not only do they find the real truth troubling, they think, Hey, why did fair Mormon lie to me why weren't they straight with me why wasn't the church straight with me and as the um oh the surveys have shown it is frequently people feeling betrayed by a source that they trusted which is much more problematic for them and difficult to get over than it is the issue itself yeah and 
And their hope is that they will inoculate enough folks that a percentage of them, a significant percentage, will never look into this stuff. And you and I both know a lot of Mormons don't look into this kind of stuff. But for those who do, it becomes obvious and demonstrable, one of my favorite words, very quickly, that the church is not what it claims to be. Yeah, I think that's true. And by the way, um, uh, another person who's a friend of mine made this comment about the videos, which I thought was very insightful. So I'll share it with you at the end of this program as we're winding down. Um, Kwaku is right about the apologetics typically being in long, boring, academic, at least if you consider ac academic papers boring, and you know, I do, I'm one of those. Um, they're hidden in papers, they're hidden in books by Hugh Nibley or other people, they're footnoted out the yin-yang, and they're often very confusing to read, difficult to understand. I mean, I read entire books by Hugh Nibley and thought, what the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? So it's this idea that people who are intelligent, who are in academia, who do have letters after their name, write these things in support of Mormonism that then I was able to sort of put my trust in them because they're smart. They're smarter than I am, these guys. And if they believe it, if they understand it, they write books about it. And there's all these footnotes. Well, it must be true. The problem now with these videos is that what they have done, designedly so, is they have stripped away the academic uh, trappings. I'll use that word again. That's going to be my favorite word tonight. The academic trappings of Mormon apologetics. And they just put it right out there in seven minute or 10 minute videos. They have put these arguments that the apologists have been promoting for years in convoluted and obscure ways. And they're putting right out, they're putting those arguments right out there in the face of the viewer. And the problem is, is that when they do that, it is obvious that these arguments don't hold water. When you take those arguments out of the academic journals where they're much less accessible and put them on YouTube and put them in an edgy young way that people can understand what you're saying, then it sounds absolutely nuts. And one example, we may get into this at some other time, but one example is from, um, uh, I think it's the Searstone uh, video or my, it was the Book of Abraham one where they actually look at the camera and say, Joseph Smith could have translated a ramen packet and it still would have been scripture. Yeah. That's yeah. the catalyst theory. That is an accurate analogy for the catalyst theory. And when you put it that, that pointedly, that blank, that edgy, all of a sudden you look at that and say, are you nuts? Go ahead. I, I, I'm essentially done with the evening. I, I think we've demonstrated that Fair Mormon is dishonest. We've demonstrated these videos are dishonest. We've, we've demonstrated that anybody listening is going to be deceived and going to be uh, having a misrepresentation of the information being given to them. Um, and you and I are going to come back next week and we're going to tackle something else. And we're just going to keep pointing out the messiness of this religion that has such a huge influence and demands so much of its members that, that all of us deserve the information laid out on the table, good and bad, so that we're empowered to make healthy decisions about how we're going to live out our life. And so with that, I'm, I, that'll, we'll call that my closing comment, RFM. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be on here with you. And the phone calls were fun. Uh, folks, give us a few more weeks to, for me to get this IT stuff down a little bit. We'll get some of these glitches and, and have those not be part of this. Um, and also, we're planning, somebody asked if this is going to be a weekly or monthly show. Our hope is to do this as a weekly show. And Every week, so yeah. you can schedule it in. Yeah. And so sometime tomorrow morning, I expect uh, I'll get the audio over to RFM and then him and I will 
pick a, a time that we both release these on our podcast and on the Mormonism Live website, mormonismlive.org. There's also a Mormonism Live Facebook page. Please go on there and uh, and become a follower of that page. Uh, we'll try to share things there as well. Yeah, click it. Like that page, right? Yeah, like it. We yeah, give it a thumbs up. We'll we'll keep track of how many thumbs up we get. And then on our YouTube video, as you pointed out, we'll certainly track the thumbs up and thumbs down. I'm sure Fair Mormon will send a few people over. Uh, that's how they won their podcast awards was getting everybody behind the scenes to vote for it. Um, and anyway, uh, Mormonism Live episode number one. Uh, I thought in the can, cool. baby. Cool. In the can. Thanks a Excellent. lot, Joe. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Good night from Radio Free Mormon in and the real. Have a great night. Bye bye.